Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Brett, and today I am thrilled to be joined by Ashley. Hey! And Candace. Hey! And Crystal. Hi there! We're excited to be hanging out with you today talking about this question, can middle school and high school students thrive in a combined youth ministry environment? What do you think, guys? I'm really excited to be talking about this. It comes up a lot. Yeah. And like in questions where people like are asking us questions about Yeah, in conversations with youth leaders asking, you know, I I only have space to have them together and how can I do that in a different way or how can I think about it differently or what curriculum should I get, middle or high school, at least in my conversations. Or is this even going to work? Like are all of my efforts going to nothing because they're together or because they're apart? If I bring them apart, is there going to be not enough energy in the room and nobody's going to show up at all? Or sometimes you talk to a youth leader and they're only talking about one group, like the middle or high school, but then later in the conversation you realize, no, they actually have a combined environment. They're totally ignoring one of the other ones. Everybody's just kind of (laughs) lumped into, you know, to one Yeah, It's like, don't worry. We've got 28 sixth graders and three seniors. We just don't worry about the three seniors. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Or the 26 sixth graders. Oh, mercy. All right. So I think we all know that you know, the the middle school, high school divide is it's just a challenge that, you know, that that exists in ministry. Has there been a time in your ministry that you've that you've witnessed or maybe you've been a part of just a complete fiasco having middle school and high school in the room? And there's something that you do or something that you say that just didn't go the way you wanted to with that mixed group in the room. So I was at a church for a long time, and about every 18 months, it seemed like either the finances or the church strategy would cause the youth ministry to change strategy. Okay. So every 18 months, we would go to either separate middle school and high school, or then 18 to 24 months later, it was like, no, we've got to combine them. Everything hinges on them being combined, and then we would separate them again and combine them again. And I remember one of the youth pastors... Uh, was new to having a combined group and had done a a mission trip to Jamaica, called me from Jamaica and said, hey, (laughs) I don't know how bad this is, but I was just wrestling with a middle school boy the way that I would wrestle with a high school boy, which, by the way, don't wrestle with any of your students, but... He choked out a seventh grade boy. Uh, what? <laughs> Didn't realize how rough he was being. <laughs> choked out the kid. The kid hits his head on the pavement, doesn't know where he is. Oh, my God. They're in a hospital in Jamaica. And he's going, can you call the parent? Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, how about no? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes you don't realize. <laughs> I wish everyone could see our faces. We are all in shock, and our jaw is on the table. <laughs> so be careful of... The fragility of middle schoolers versus <laughs> high schoolers. You can't wrestle with them in the same capacity. Apparently not. Wow. But I think there's a lot of physical activities that we do with high schoolers that maybe middle schoolers aren't quite ready for. Okay. Mm. I think humor is another one. I think a lot of times when it's a combined environment and the, the communicator uses a certain kind of humor, let's use sarcasm, for example. Yeah. Mm. You know, the middle schoolers will get to their small group and literally 
it's kind of like how I'm wired. They believe everything that was <laughs> yeah. said. Like you guys, there's one of my favorite joke. things about Ashley <laughs> is that she will believe everything you say, and it's fantastic. Mm. It, it, yeah, yeah, it'll get you in trouble sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that is. I mean, it's not like awful. It's not like anything like that. But you end up spending time having to reteach the yes. message because they were trying to understand why you just made a comment about something that had nothing to do with what you're talking about. And so like you end up trying to connect all the dots for them in small group because of a certain kind of humor that was used, which is great for high school because they're going to follow that Mm -hmm. except me. (laughs) Yeah. Not me. High schoolers might. That's, that's, I've got a a story about that. Um, but it's not necessarily ministry related. It's in my house, right? (laughs) (laughs) My daughter is three and she is, has recently been doing this thing. She's, I'm going to call it a phase so that I'm just encouraged to on know brand. that it's not going to be, yeah, to be on brand, but just so that I'm encouraged to know that it's not going to last forever, right? <laughs> so um, when you call her, you say, her name is Addison, but we call her Sunny. So we, I say, hey, Sunny. And when I'm calling her, she just ignores everybody. So whenever you're calling her, she's just ignoring you. We know that she hears you, but she's ignoring you. So I'm like, hey, Sunny. Hey, Sunny. Hey, Sunny. Addison. Addison, right? So I'm calling her and she's like, ignore me. So I'll go over to her and I'm like, hey, when people call you, you need to respond. I'm breaking down what respond means. And I'm like, hey, you know, you need to answer them. Let them know that you hear them talking to you. And she's like, okay, mommy. And I say, so when I say, hey, Sonny, you say what? And then she says, what? And oh, I no. said, right. And I said, when I say, hey, Sonny, you say what? And she's like, really confident. What? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here is this breakdown in communication, right? I'm thinking that I'm speaking to her clearly and I'm thinking that I'm I'm thinking that I'm explaining everything properly, but she's totally missing it, you know. Um and the truth be told, you know, while this example with her is so funny because she's 3, right? Um it's a very obvious example of miscommunication, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of times within ministry that communication is just missed and kids don't get it. And like Ashley was just saying, and we don't really know it. You know, this is so important to just be developmentally appropriate because there's so many times when kids just don't get it, and especially within the church world. You know, the language that we use within the church world, there's a lot of language that adults don't even understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just throw them around, you know, within the church and just assume that everyone knows. And there are many people who just, who just don't get yeah. it, who just don't get it. So I went into full-time ministry at 21. I was young, didn't have any idea really what, uh, what I was doing and made some, some pretty dumb mistakes. Uh, and so we had, when I first got to this church, we had our middle school and our high school all together. And we're meeting in, you know, kind of the youth room of the church, which was too small and the air conditioning didn't work and it was always just uncomfortable. But anyway, we're doing a a series on relationships and I talk for one of the weeks is about, you know, is, is about sex. But we've got middle school and high school in the room, but I'm 21 and I, (laughs) I, I'm trying to get a point the the cross. We're kind of talking about this idea of sexual integrity and trying to get the point across like, hey, you know, when I when we're talking about sex, we're not just talking about sex. And but I start to use examples. Oh no. And I oh, and no. I use the I use the phrase feel up your girlfriend. And this uh, this kid Brian <laughs> Again, I wish you could see everybody at this table right now. Brian in the front row. And guys, this is first semester. So I these are first semester believe- sixth graders. And oh, so no. Brian in the front row 
And imagine Ralphie's voice from The Simpsons, as, <laughs> loud enough for everyone in the in the room to hear, just says, "What's that?" And just lost everybody. <laughs> everybody starts laughing, and I was like, "What? What have I done?" And it just didn't go well. I probably shouldn't have used that phrase at all with high schoolers or middle schoolers. But, um, yeah, the middle schoolers <laughs> yeah, just didn't that, have... Yeah, that, that middle school sex conversation is real. Yeah, it's a I want to come back to that. Uh, totally. Sure. Like, right? That is something. So, I think another thing that happens uh, a lot is, or at least that I've witnessed, is when you have middle schoolers and high schoolers in a combined environment, and maybe I'm just sensitive to the middle schoolers, it feels kind of like middle schoolers are, like, out on the outskirts mm. of, of mm. you know, even during picturing worship or games, that when the high schoolers all feel connected to each other and engaged, it often feels like the middle schoolers don't belong in that room. So they'll stand against the back wall or they'll stand kind of, you know, with distance or bullying becomes a thing because they can, middle schoolers can be annoying to high schoolers, understandably. You've probably seen this the opposite way too, right? Oh, I for sure have seen it the opposite way where, um, I, I mean, a number of times I've been in churches where we had to combine environments and the middle schoolers just felt like this flood of energy that high schoolers couldn't get a word in. They couldn't even think about what was being said because there's so much going on in the room. And I remember being told as a high schooler, and I know I, I've seen this happen, that if we were just more spiritual as high schoolers, then we would see this as an opportunity to serve and we would just make all the programming for middle schoolers. And I would love to think that high schoolers are at a place in their spiritual maturity to embrace that. But they're not any more than in our adult mm-hmm. services if we made all of our adult services for children right. mm-hmm. and said, you just show up every week. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have adults in our services. Yeah. And it's kind of the same the same way. I think sometimes we expect more maturity out of high schoolers than they're really capable of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some of these other challenges and these tensions that I know that folks that do have combined environments, what, what are we feeling in those times between the, the middle school and high school? Like what, what else is so different about middle school and high school that kind of creates the challenge of having them together in the same space? Well, Ashley and I, like we have this conversation all the time because we work on a curriculum for churches and Ashley leads the middle school team. I lead the high school team. But to some degree, we have to be going kind of the same direction because most families will have a middle school and a high schooler at the same time. So we're aiming to hit kind of the same topics. And so what does it look like to, to do that in a high school friendly and a middle school friendly way? And I know so many times we've had the conversation of a middle schooler can't go there yet. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm saying, yeah, but a high schooler has to go there. We have to go there. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like in the same series or in the same week to stay close enough to shore that a middle schooler can still reach you and to go far enough out that a high schooler is not saying this isn't for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when that's the importance of small groups, right? Um, well, okay, a number of things flooding my head. So let's just talk about worship, right? So when it comes to the worship component of, of uh, combined ministry, the importance of having a small group is so that a leader who is leading who might be skirting over some some things that a high school student could really understand by diving deeper into the conversation, you know, um, or a middle school student might miss because you're just over their head. Small groups should help them be able to, you know, be able to break it down a little bit more yeah. or, you know, raise you up a little bit more um, and through the conversation that's had, that's had there. So, like, if you cannot have a 
But then some some churches who have combined ministries don't necessarily have, you know, divided small groups. But if you can at least have a divided small group time, then that will be helpful yeah. to tend to that combined. Because, you know, as a, as a leader, you really have to be bilingual, you know, mm-hmm. when you're leading in, in, in worship, speaking a middle school language, speaking a high school language. And as you're communicating, being aware of who you're missing as you're talking, mm-hmm. being aware of who you're communicating to. Um, because if you're not aware of who you're communicating to, then you might be missing everybody, yeah. <laughs> even the adults. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think one of the misconceptions, kind of going back to what you were talking about, Crystal, is the difference between maturity and developmentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you know I'll have conversations with with folks that have combined, and they're like, no, we just you know we just use you know the high school material, mm-hmm. and we've got really mature middle schoolers, mm-hmm. or hey, we you know we just kind of teach yeah. to the to the high schoolers because we've got really really mature middle schoolers. But there's a difference between maturity and development. Like mm-hmm. there are probably some middle schoolers that can handle some things, you know, because their maturity level is a little bit higher, but their brain still hasn't developed certain things that a high schooler mm-hmm. has. So the, to me, there's that tension of, okay, even if they are a little bit more mature that I can handle some deeper conversations with them, there are still some places that I can't go, some things that their brain just hasn't unlocked yet as a yeah. middle schooler that I've got to figure out how to talk to them differently about mm-hmm. this than about this over here. And, and I think sometimes we're tempted to say a middle schooler can handle it because they're quiet and they're not causing a disruption, yeah. and they're not asking mm-hmm. weird questions, when in reality, we may have missed them entirely. Yep. They're just really well-behaved. Mm-hmm. I just recently spoke at a camp, um, and it was the first time they had split their middle and high school for their camp. And um, I was speaking at the middle school camp, and when I got there, the ministry leader said to me, like, our kids are really like mature for middle schoolers. Like, they're there. You should talk to them all like they're ninth graders. And this was sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. I was like, oh, okay, great, great to know. And so as I'm preparing, I have that in the back of my mind. And after spending three days or so there, I realized these aren't, these are normal middle schoolers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're not more advanced than other middle schoolers. These are literally middle schoolers. And I know when you have them all together, sometimes it's hard to know the difference because mm-hmm. you just know them as a group rather yep. than individual mm-hmm. groups. Yeah. And so I thought that was interesting. But back to something you said earlier, Brett, is um, you mentioned the sex series. And I think that there is no clearer, more yeah. concrete example of where this tension exists than in the sex series. And I would say this is when a lot of the conversations come up, up with youth workers or small group leaders. It's obvious to us that middle school and high school students are in different areas and different parts of their life and development when it comes to their sexuality. Yeah. And so we always want to be sensitive to that, right? And the reason why that feels like such a big one is usually because there's consequences on the other side of it. Yep. Like the, we're going to make the parents upset or we're going to mm-hmm. steal a kid's innocence or whatever. <laughs> and I think if you use that as a framework for this is actually how it is for every topic, yep. like this different, mm-hmm. it, it's just there's not necessarily, quote, consequences yeah. on the other side that you may experience right yep. away. All right. So energy in the room, content that we talk about, what are what are some of those other kind of clear tensions that we often feel when we've got middle school and high school in, in the room together? I know the one that I always felt was trying to come up with a game, trying to come up with a game that's going to be goofy enough, silly enough for our middle schoolers, but our high schoolers won't be too cool for school to do, right. or they're mm-hmm. just going to roll their eyes with. That was always one of my challenges. I agree with that. And I think it depends on the culture of your youth ministry because sometimes, especially stage games yep. for middle school, sometimes are tricky because 
there's usually like a physical reason why a middle schooler doesn't want to get on stage, whether it's sweaty armpits or mm-hmm. they just got their period in their pants or there's like a there's growth, a growth spurt and their pants are super exactly. high. Exactly. All in. these yeah. physical reasons why stage mm-hmm. games are really intimidating for middle schoolers, especially with high schoolers in the room. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've never thought about that because then you've got older brothers and sisters in the room yep. who are for sure going to make fun mm-hmm. of them at yep. home. Wow. And then I would say stage games are better for high schoolers. Because they don't all want to participate. They don't. They want to watch somebody participate. And the ones who say, pick me, pick me, get on stage, they're happy to be there. And the ones who are in the audience are happy, happy to not be, be on stage. <laughs> so it's interesting. I would say those are better for high schoolers. Yeah, I totally see that. And some middle schoolers are like, of course, they want to be the person that's right. on the stage and the goofball mm-hmm. of the group. And yeah. we're thankful for those kids <laughs> when we're playing a stage game. <laughs> So games are tricky. I would also say the examples we use from stage Mm, are super tricky. Because when I'm talking about examples of just about anything with high schoolers, I'm going to talk about drugs. I'm going to talk about alcohol. I'm going to talk about depression and anxiety. And I would not necessarily stop and define all those things for a middle schooler who may be going, what is is she talking about right now? And do I have that? And that's why our middle school curriculum, we definitely take that into account. And we really, a lot of times when you think of middle school curriculum, you think it's just a watered down version of high school. But I always like to say middle school content and, and curriculum isn't a watered down version. It's a broken down version Mm. of what you're trying to teach. And so that's why we intentionally explain what words mean in all of our talks and in our, you know, small group time and everything. We take time to unpack them and break them down for a middle schooler, not water them down. We saw that recently in the science and faith series. Do you remember that? We were working on a science and faith series that (laughs) middle school had written first. And by the time we took out all of the explanations that a high schooler wouldn't need, it was one week of content versus three weeks of content. <laughs> so we ended up writing two additional weeks for high schoolers. But middle schoolers, if we were trying to take those three weeks and make them work for middle schoolers, it would be a six-hour sermon yeah. because you have to explain and define so many words. And again, right. it's not always a maturity issue. It's not a, well, our students are more mature or they're, or they're smarter. And so, But yeah, it is a cognitive piece. It's a developmental piece that we have to be careful about. And there's a difference between... Uh, listening comprehension and reading comprehension. Mm. Yes. And we really take that into account for our curriculums mm. because just because they can read it and process it, but they can also read at their own speed. Yeah. But when they're listening, they have to connect dots in their head. And the minute that you say a word or a, a phrase that they do not understand, especially idiomatic phrases, yeah. it, it, you, <laughs> you lose them and they've missed the next seven dots because they're still trying to figure out what did you, what did that mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've listened to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast before, you've probably heard us talk about Orange Students and XP3, which is the curriculum, the, the high school curriculum, the middle school curriculum uh, that we're all involved in here. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more in this episode because we are so passionate about what we do with XP3 high school and middle school. And it just kind of aligns with what with what it is that we're talking about. We're not trying to sell you anything. I think this is still going to be really helpful and it's going to make sense if you're using something different or if you're not interested in, in using XP3. But if you are, check out the show notes. We'll throw a link in there and you can get some more information about what we do with XP3, specifically how we handle the high school stuff and how we handle the middle school stuff. Yeah, I think these tensions come up with any curriculum and if you're writing your own stuff. For like, sure. This is one of the tensions that we all feel. I know at one point I was writing curriculum for our church and going, do I need to write two completely different talks yeah. for our middle schoolers and high schoolers? And sometimes the answer was yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I think the tension also shows up when it comes to worship music in an environment. And I feel this tension even when it's a middle school only environment, but yeah. especially when it's middle and high school, because I don't know how many artists out there set out to be worship leaders for middle school. Mm. Right. Like developmentally, I just don't, same thing with graphic artists. That's a whole nother thing. But I think that when you're singing a super reflective song about being covered in the blood of Jesus, or I'm no longer a slave, yeah. you know, developmentally for a middle schooler, some of them may not even be aware that there's something not beautiful about them mm. Mm. and that they would even need freedom from something or that they would even need to have any blood cover them. Yeah. Like they're still trying to figure out and become self-aware enough to realize why they need Jesus as their savior. They might know about him, but they don't maybe know him personally mm-hmm. yet. And so I think it's not that singing a song like that is a waste of time, but just keep in mind where they are developmentally. And when you have a room, a combined room, high schoolers, I mean, it's not that middle schoolers can't get there, but you do have to connect a bunch of dots to right. get them to understand what they're singing and how they're responding. Yep. Whereas I feel like high schoolers may be able to relate to those songs a lot more. Yeah. Well, and I've been in worship situations with middle school and high school together where we're 25 minutes in to a worship set and all the high schoolers are, not all the high schoolers, but most of the high schoolers are are still there. They're they're into it. And all the middle schoolers are checked out. They're like... Or tw- touching each other. Yeah, like 25, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a really long time for, you know, for, for middle schoolers. And so yeah. a lot of times worship, when it, it's combined, it's really hard to figure out what songs do we sing? What language do we use? How long does this go? All of those different pieces. But, you know, with most churches who have a combined ministry, you know, there's so many, so many other variables to a combined ministry than just... Your, your your main group programming worship whatever you call your time together with your with your students you know on one side you have you know like I guess the different aspects of it you have your your main programming time um, when you're everyone is together in worship you have um, a combined ministry a com- ministry who is combined has you know your, your combined worship right you have a combined budget you have a combined um, one leader who's over typically two areas you have combined you know small groups I think of combined activities combined events combined communication to parents just a combined everything right and that's just like the exact extreme opposite of a ministry that is completely divided in all those those areas so you have a divided worship divided communications to parents divided small groups divided activities and outreach blah 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 right you have all those things that are divided but between the two of having everything combined and everything divided, there's a huge spectrum in between, right? And there's many different ministries that lie on this spectrum somewhere between having everything combined and everything divided, right? right? Um, And I think a lot of times because ministries don't see themselves as having everything divided, they think that they're not doing anything to tend to the great group differences that are there. Mm -hmm. So I just want to just take a minute to just encourage ministries that are somewhere on the spectrum that have some things that are divided, be it maybe you're divided for small groups, but you're combined for for your large group, right? Um, Maybe you have a a middle school only camp or a high school only retreat, you know, um, and that's what you're able to do. There's so many other ways that you can tend to this combination of all the gray groups together. Yeah. It's good. So we could talk for longer and longer about the tensions when you've got high school and middle school in the room and how do I, how do I handle, how do I meet everybody's needs? How do I connect with everybody in, in these situations? So this question that we're talking about, can high school and middle school students thrive in a combined youth ministry 
environment. Let's talk about that a little bit and what for the groups that do have to have, you know, their large group times together, their main ministry times together, what can we do to, to, to better reach our high schoolers, to better, to better reach our middle schoolers? I think first I want to say if you're listening and you're in a situation where you don't have the space to split, the people to split, or the budget to split, or the energy yeah. to split, we totally hear you. And there are a lot of people in that seat. And and the cool thing about the seat we get to sit in is we get to hear from a lot of different ministry leaders about where they are in this journey mm-hmm. of ministering to teenagers, whether they're middle or high school students. Um, and I think, you know, with the question you just asked, Brett, is we get a chance to share what are some creative ways that churches are moving towards, you know, ministering to each each age group where they are developmentally. Yeah. And there's a lot of different things you can do when space is an issue and a lot of different things you can do when budget's an issue or when people are an issue. And so I think that's really, you know, what we're about to dive into. I just want to say, if that's you and you're in that place, you're not a failure. You're amazing. You're doing great things. And the tensions you're feeling are very real for a lot of people. Yeah. And Ash, you bring up a good point when you say every age group, because I'm thinking about the different age groups that we serve and we're all, we're all dealing with this. We're all managing the tension of differentiating what we're teaching for students because the age difference between a seventh grader and a ninth grader is no different than the age difference between a 10th grader and a 12th grader. It's still that amount of time that we're talking about. And so even if you have a high school only environment or a middle school only environment, we still have to figure out how to differentiate for where kids are developmentally. Mm, So good. Yeah, and we actually had a conversation. Episode twenty-eight uh, was titled "Should Middle School and High School Be Separate or or Combined?" So we actually dive deeper, kind of into that conversation, and what do we do? So if you if that's helpful for you, we'll put that in the show notes. But I mean, I've been in that situation before in ministry where I had middle school and high school together, and I didn't have any options. Yep. And so, what did you know? Even even though I may have wanted to do different things, I didn't, I didn't have a choice. And so, what can I do to engage my middle schoolers and not lose my high schoolers? What do I do to really keep my upperclassmen focused on what we're trying to do without completely losing losing our, our our middle schoolers? So, what are some things that you guys have seen or learned throughout the years of how we can keep people engaged to have the, the best experience possible for them in that combined environment? How are we defining combined environment in this conversation? Yeah. I think for me, combined environment is our our main youth program, our main youth weekly program is middle school and high school together. That for the game, everybody's together. For the teaching, everybody's together. Maybe we separate for small groups, but mm-hmm. but really for that kind of main youth group time every week, that it's middle school and high school together. Okay. I think in my mind, that's probably one of the key factors. So I, I think it would work also for events. Okay. Like if event, like anytime you have teenagers, middle and high school combined in any kind of an environment, that's what we're talking about, I think. Okay. Because so to me, you know, the, the huge part of the success of a combined ministry, having middle school and high school with one leader, one budget, you know, um, one set of volunteers, a huge part of the success of that is the things you do outside of your large programming time, just the the, the way the things are, are structured with those volunteers, you know, yeah. um, the way that, that you might tend to the middle schoolers outside of your your your, your large group time, um, the way that you tend to your high schoolers outside of your, your large group time to help them feel that, help their, help their, their felt needs at their grade level felt tended to in the large group, right? Because 
some students might come to, say if you, you're meeting on a Wednesday night, right? Some students might come on Wednesday night, um, but if sometimes when you have a middle, many students together, and some leaders will say, I've heard a lot of leaders say things like, oh, our youth group is split 50-50. We've got same number middle school and high school. You know, think of probability and chance, right? Most <laughs> ministries are not split 50-50. Mm -hmm. There's a weight that hangs one way or another, and that's that. And we should know where our weight lies. Mm -hmm. um, Candace, I think you're so right. I think sometimes in student ministry, because it's happening every week, it feels like large group is everything. Uh -huh. yeah. Our whole ministry is based around one program a week when... In reality, students have seven days a week, and how are we interacting with them? I know mm -hmm. in in a ministry where I served, one of the most successful times we experienced was a combined middle school and high school ministry. And the reason it was successful is there was a team of volunteers whose job it was to be the champion for high schoolers mm. and to think about high go. schoolers and focus yeah. on high schoolers. And then there was a team the same way who their only job was to champion middle schoolers and it was so fantastic because they're meeting with those kids outside of large group, but they're also giving feedback about large group experiences and saying, hey, that didn't work for my group. Yeah. That didn't work for my kids. Or in this event, can we do this activity differently because it's going to make more sense for my group? Mm -hmm. And having a team of champions for each age group was was really powerful for us. And people who know that that's their responsibility, Ooh, right? Yeah. So me, I led a combined ministry and I naturally leaned towards high school, right? And, and I had to have somebody in there, a volunteer, to kind of bring me back to yeah. balance, you mm -hmm. know? So people who know that that's... That that's their responsibility. They're there to be that champion. I think a champion for age groups is so needed. Yeah. So I'm hearing two things. One thing I'm hearing is if you've got a combined kind of main program, that doesn't mean that everything else needs to be combined. And so what does it look like yeah. for us to be strategic and intentional about the way that we connect with high schoolers and middle schoolers outside and the different uh, events or trips that we might be taking? Is there a way to get intentional about how we're focusing in on those and making sure that we've got champions for middle schoolers and champions for high schoolers that continue to push us as leaders to think through both lenses and not mm -hmm. just the one that we might be you know, most, mm -hmm. most biased towards. Mm -hmm. And we give them the permission to tell us when we're yes. off base. That's yeah. a really big deal. Right. Most volunteers are not going to tell us when we're off unless we invite them to. Yeah. Anything else you can think of on how we keep our middle schoolers engaged specifically, even when we have high schoolers in the room? I learned a powerful lesson one time when I was teaching. I naturally teach to high schoolers. I was a high school public school teacher at the time, but I was teaching to a combined environment and honestly, I wasn't super prepared for the talk, mm -hmm. and I felt like I hadn't thought through the concepts really well, so I grabbed a prop, because <laughs> sometimes props prop up the talk, right? <laughs> so I grabbed a prop. I was using a bag of dog toys, and afterwards, I got calls from middle school parents, for their kids coming home saying, this was the best talk we've ever had. This was the talk we understood. It was the first time they could ever come home and tell me the bottom line, and I went, that was easy. I could work a prop into yeah. every talk. Just breaking it up and having yeah. something visual. I had no idea how powerful that would be for a group of middle schoolers. But Ash, is that normal or yeah. was that just that group? No, that's really normal, which is why we in the middle school curriculum always try to include something called um, an interactive, whether that's a prop or an activity yeah. or some visual um, object lesson or something object like lesson that. Or, yeah. or like YouTube video or yeah. something. For sure. That is definitely a way. It's basically a way to concretely anchor an abstract thought to something that they know and understand and can mm. see how it works. Yep. I would say also, if you have middle school and high school in a combined environment, have a designated area that middle schoolers know that they 
like when they arrive, they go to. Mm. So I don't mean like middle schoolers sign over here in high school. I don't mean that. I mean a person and a circle that they can know always kind of gather over in this area because it's very intimidating for a middle schooler to walk into a room full of high schoolers and adults and feel like they know what to even say in any Mm. kind of normal conversation. So if they kind of have a designated area that, and and the way you create that is just have the people who usually are pouring into them always go to the same space in the room and they start to naturally gravitate towards that area when the service starts. Yeah. And then I think what that what that also has the potential to do cuz if you have, you know, different places where where the kids kind of gravitate toward like middle school one area and high school another one. It can it can give middle school students something to look up, look forward to in ministry. So like, mm-hmm. hey, knowing that I'm I'm transitioning from middle school to high school, I mean, and then maybe even making a big deal from that that First Sunday that you're kick well, first time that you're kicking back off your transition, make a big deal about the walk from one side to the next. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, this just as long as that the, those two different places don't cause a division. Yeah. I think also just keep in mind with the combined environment, when you use examples for high schoolers in the room that reference their middle school years, because mm. middle schoolers are still in the room. And so that's really hard because a high schooler is very different than they were in middle school. And you want to reference those years because yep. those are the years they remember, yep. you know, they don't remember necessarily all of their childhood. And so that is, that's difficult. Um, I think starting also, you know, if you have a combined environment for their game time, their worship time and their teaching time, a great place to start is just divide small groups by age specific groups, yep. first middle school group, and then a high school group. And then I would, you know, look at grades within those, like yeah. a ninth grade group, 10th grade group, 11th grade group, whatever. So that's a great place to start the, the split. But even when you're teaching, maybe the next step, and this is a whole spectrum of steps and everybody's in a different place. Candace, you mentioned like there's always a divide. There's like 60% middle school or 40% right. high school or whatever it is. So you have to figure out where you are in the spectrum to figure out where you start. But even in teaching, especially when it's a super abstract concept or a super sensitive topic like the sex series, you can do a combined environment for their worship time and their game time yep. and whatever that consists of. But then when the teaching comes, maybe you keep high schoolers in the room and you have a live teacher for them. And maybe middle school breaks into their for small sure. group early and they do their lesson mm-hmm. in small group and then have their conversation in small group and vice versa and split that up. I think that's one of the conversations that I have a lot of with leaders who who really want to have some specific teaching times for their middle school and their high school, but they don't have any options except to mm. meet together, whether it's time or whether it's inner, you know, space or whether it's structure, whether it's staff, whatever it is. And so that idea of you can have a combined youth ministry, but you can still have phase specific teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some churches, you're probably thinking like, I don't have anywhere to send my middle school. Like, yeah, there are some challenges, but I, that, that's one that I, that, that I think could really be beneficial, that idea to a lot of churches that hear us talking about the phase differences between middle school and high school and are like, all right, I want to do better at this, mm-hmm. but we have to meet on Wednesday nights. I don't know what else to do, but f- trying to figure out what does this look like? And we can help. We can have, you know, mm-hmm. so I know that's what Candace and I and Charlie, who's another orange specialist, who's who's sometimes on the podcast, but on, on this one, we have those conversations a lot. And that's what mm-hmm. we're here to do is help you figure out what could this look like in your ministry. Here's why I think this is a big deal because sometimes I feel like this conversation is how do we make it friendly for our middle schoolers? What I've noticed is when I'm teaching to a combined environment, the examples that I use are tamer. 
Hmm. because I don't want to take the innocence of a younger kid. Mm. But there are some conversations we need to have, and we need to have specifically with Mm. our high schoolers. There are some topics we need to bring up with high schoolers Mm. that middle schoolers aren't ready to talk about. We have to figure out a way that that's going to happen, and maybe it's a separate camp. Maybe it's a separate small group. I would say even if we have separate small groups, there has to be a leader in there willing to bring it up because Mm. typically – we bring up things from a large group stage that we want kids to discuss in small group. But if no one's bringing up this idea from a large group stage, your small group leaders have to be cued and empowered yep. and told, hey, you need to bring up marijuana. Mm-hmm. You need to bring up That's sexual activity. So you need to bring up consent. You need to bring like you need to bring up these topics that we would never broach in a combined environment. But high schoolers, we're not doing the service we need to do for high schoolers yeah. if we don't have those conversations. Yeah. To piggyback on what you know, you just said, Crystal, this is a great opportunity to really expand your volunteers um, and volunteer opportunities by by bringing them on board to help you really, really support uh, the, the, what you're doing. So say if you do have purchased the middle school curriculum and you're like, hey, you know, give them the the, the script um, or the, the middle school talk or the high school talk or the small group questions to adapt to really, really add in those things that the high school students need. Or if you have the high school curriculum to, hey, these are the things that middle school students wouldn't necessarily understand. So, so yeah. really, really work through that piece of it. And that is it is so intentional because as a leader, when you're leading a combined ministry, you ought to always be thinking of how you should, we how should you should be adjusting your ministry to be intentional. Um, about connecting with students developmentally and incorporating those life moments that are yeah. happening with them that you sometimes just don't see as a Ooh. as a yeah. youth pastor. Yeah, and, and we don't really have a, a clear cut answer. If your mm-hmm. group meets together and you do use XP three or thinking about using XP three, it's not necessarily oh you should use this one or you should use this one. We always want to point people back to having conversations with us. So again, mm-hmm. reaching out to me or Candice or Charlie, we'll put our information in the show notes uh, and have a conversation because there's a lot of different factors that go into, okay, if you have to teach to all of them together, there's a lot of different factors that probably mm. go into helping make what what's the what's the best decision possible for that. And I think that's important because I think we want a simple answer for a complex problem. Yeah. And there is not a simple answer for it. Middle school students are important and high school students are important and the way we mm. communicate to them has to differentiate. Like yeah. we, it feels complicated because it is. It mm. is complicated. There's not a clear answer. And if you're in that tension, we all are. Yeah. We all are sitting there. And I think our end goal is the same, is we want to minister to middle schoolers where they are and high schoolers where they are. And I think in a combined environment, it makes it more complex. And it just means that you are just that much more gifted to figure that out, to have to figure out how to do it at the same time. Ash, I'm so glad you said that because I think this happens a lot. If anybody in your ministry, in your leadership team, and your parents in the youth ministry world is telling you, oh, just do this. And it'll work. Mm. Oh, just one simple pat answer. They probably don't understand the problem. Mm. They probably don't understand child development enough to know how Mm. complex this is. And so if you feel like I'm wrestling with something that everyone else seems to think is easy, it's not easy. Yeah. Mm. So we hit some really specific examples of how to keep your middle schoolers engaged when you've got combined. Any any quick tips with high schoolers? How to keep our high schoolers engaged when we've got middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room? One thing I've noticed... And I noticed this in my classroom when I was teaching. I noticed this in youth ministry. 
is that if there is any trigger for high school students, it's being talked down to. It's being talked to like they're younger than they are when we assume that they don't have experience that they literally don't have, but they don't want us to assume that they don't have (laughs) it. They can sniff out condescension like no nobody else. And so I think we have to be super, super careful from our stages to when we're talking to middle schoolers, say now middle schoolers. Yeah. So that your high schoolers know that you know that isn't for them. And when you're talking to your high schoolers, say, hey, when you get to a small group today, this is what I want you to talk about. Because, Uh man, they will pick up on it so quickly. And what we don't want is for a high schooler to show up in our environment to hear something that was intended for a middle schooler and to say, this isn't for me. Right. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. so yeah. good. Because they have good. car keys and they won't come back. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's such a little thing. doesn't mm-hmm. require space, budget, right. or people. Mm-hmm. It's just one little tweak in the way we talk. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I think for me, I saw a difference. Crystal, you kind of made the joke that at some point when you were in high school, they told you that if you were a real Christian, then that means that you <laughs> you would just show up because it's a middle school ministry and you want to be there and, and support the middle schoolers. Yep. Um, and that sounds like a mess. But I there, there was something that when we would, specifically with our upperclassmen, when we would start to have conversations with them and help them to realize, hey, this isn't just for you, mm-hmm. is that there is a role that you can play in all of this to help make this better across the board, but you can have a huge impact in the lives of some middle schoolers if you would blank, 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 and then kind of equip them to, to be able to live out that kind of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're not saying, hey, this isn't yours anymore this is just theirs. You need to be there just for them, but helping them to understand a little bit of a picture and help them kind of shift a little bit of what their role in the ministry is. That was always something that I felt like helped them feel a little bit more weight of their their role and their responsibility in the mm. ministry instead of them just showing up and I'm a part of this ministry, putting that that kind of that leadership on them of what does it look like for you to lead this the next two years. And I think that's so important because those 11th and 12th grade years, there's so many competing factors out there for, for students, especially once they get car keys and they start driving or they have all this you know, freedom and their parents, they say they don't, want, they don't want to go to church and their parents are tired of just forcing them or whatever. Them having that, that, that ownership and that, that, that power within the ministry, um, that leadership responsibility, some kind yeah. of something is so important to keep them engaged and it helps to expand their community and their connection to something that's deeper within the church so that when they leave and they graduate, they are still likely to stay connected to some church somewhere in faith. I super agree, but I want to push on one idea and I don't think it's the idea that we're promoting here at this table, but I think in a lot of environments I visit, whether it's public schools or sports or churches, high schoolers are seen as free labor. Because they have a lot of energy and a lot of time and car keys, <laughs> yeah. right? And I would say if we're calling them to leadership, we need to let them lead. Yep. Mm-hmm. It has to be the mm-hmm. kind of leadership where they have real responsibility with real consequences. Yep. And when we call them to that, high schoolers will step up and lead. Mm-hmm. But they're very aware when we're just calling them to set up the chairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> Our friend Stuart Hall talks about that a mm-hmm. lot with his program Influencer, which is a leadership program for students and how... So often we tell them that leadership is setting up chairs and taking out the trash. And to some degree it is, but it's more than that. And then they walk into a world 
that tells them that the only thing high school students can do is set up the chairs and take out the trash and we wonder why they don't step up yep. more. Mm -hmm. Whew, so good. Yeah. Hey, we've talked about the school system a lot. So let's just take a moment and imagine if, all right, the school system is very strategic in what they teach in each grade and how it builds on each other. So by the time they graduate high school, they graduate this high school diploma and they've built a solid foundation for science and English and math and fill in the blank. And I think if we think of our spiritual development in terms of that, mm -hmm. it, it feels different. So imagine if, imagine if a fifth grader graduates elementary school and goes right to high school, yeah. kind of floats around the high school. It never experiences sixth, seventh, eighth grade middle school years and all that they could have learned foundationally yeah. in those years. Or imagine the opposite. Imagine a school system where they finish eighth grade and they never go on to high school, but they actually just start hanging around the middle school. Yeah. You know, automatically, because you've got everyone listening has gone through school at some point and you realize, wow, there are some foundational things that happen in each of those years, in each of the subjects. And what is more important than our spiritual growth? Can you imagine the faith of this generation if we actually reach them developmentally where they are in this spiritual, like what, wherever they are spiritually and whatever questions they're asking? And, and by the time they graduate high school, and I'm not saying that's going to fix all of the problems right. that exist, but I am saying, how much more would they own their faith and right. understand their faith? Yep. So what I'm hearing a lot of is even if we don't have the staff structure, space systems, whatever it is, to have separate middle school and high school environments, ministries, whatever we want to call it, there's still a lot that we need to be doing and thinking about on how to create these experiences that are directly and intentionally aimed at our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. And sometimes that looks like events and sometimes that looks about the way that we talk or what we talk about or the content that we're using or the way that we separate things. But even if we, for different reasons, have to stay all together, there are still a lot of things that we can be doing. So as we wrap up, any, any final thoughts that you would have for folks that are listening? When people have combined environments, sometimes we think students in general, right? We just think, hey, students, but don't think middle school specific and high school specific. Mm -hmm. And I think if we start thinking, yeah, youth ministry, but thinking middle school specific and high school specific within our thinking, then we will really... I think the approach that a lot of people take would be a little bit different. Yeah. I would say two things. First, we've got to pay attention to our transitions. Research tells us over and over and over that we lose kids when they transition from elementary to middle, from middle to high. And if they're transitioning in school from middle school to high school and their whole world is changing and our environment looks exactly the same and there's nothing new to anticipate, there's nothing new to look forward to, there's not a new person there waiting for them. We probably need to consider what we can do to keep that environment fresh because now we're talking about a seven-year span yep. of a, the same environment for a kid who's really, really different as they get older. The other thing I would say is it all comes down to the, to the person they're connected to. They show up when it's personal because there's a person who's there waiting for them. And we need to make sure that at every age and stage, even within, within high school, Ninth and 10th grade leaders are just different than 11th and 12th yeah. grade leaders. Sixth grade leaders are just different than seventh and eighth grade leaders. We need to make sure that there's a person there who cares about that age group. And that they're, that they're equipped and that they're prepared yes. on how to lead a, a ninth grader versus a sixth grader yes. or a 12th grader versus a ninth grader. Because just walking with them, that'll help some, 
but there are still things that we need to help them understand as they I'm lean into that I'm so phase. biased about public school teachers because I was one. But guys, if somebody de- devotes eight hours of every day of their life, okay, let's be honest, like 10 or 12 hours, of every day of their life to a specific grade, then there are some things we can learn from yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And we should spend some time talking to them about that specific grade. Mm-hmm. Yep. I keep sitting here thinking about like the youth leader listening. Um, we're asking a lot of yeah. one person. We really are. I mean, we have an entire staff of people who are completely overwhelmed to try to create resources for age-specific groups. And I think if you're sitting there feeling that way, I think it's normal and it would be weird if you weren't. <laughs> like, right. it, it's tough to do this alone yeah. and, and you don't have to do it alone. And so I think I'd say find some really stellar teachers or parents or, you know, mm-hmm. people who have been committed to your youth ministry or are passionate about it to help you figure out what this looks like and where on the spectrum you fall in terms of how do I reach them at their yeah. age specific groups, reach out to Candace or Charlie or Brett, our orange specialist here who are, specialize in, in helping churches gain perspective. And what are a lot of other churches doing around the country in terms, when they're in your exact situation, yeah. here's five different ways you can think about it. What works for your environment? Yep. And I think that is, is so huge. Don't try to do it alone. Um, it, it's it's too heavy of a weight to carry for a long time, and we need you here for the long yeah. haul. Mm-hmm. Obviously, part of the reason we do this podcast is we want to be able to help you realize you're not doing this alone, that you've got a team that, that cares about this stuff, that's having conversations about this stuff. Um, and I would even say for, you know, for me, Charlie and Candace as Orange Specialists, even if you're not using Orange stuff and you're really thinking through this and you're like, I just need somebody to process this stuff with, we are more than happy to jump into those conversations with you, even if this is your only connection to, to Orange whatsoever. All right. My last thought here is if you are thinking about making some some changes to what you're doing programmatically, whether that is totally separate environments or even if it's just, yeah, I do want to start doing some some phase specific teaching stuff, then do some research. We've got awesome phase material. We'll throw some of that up in the show notes. One of your key jobs as a leader then is to help create the tension with your leadership, with your parents and with your volunteers, because there's a chance that they don't feel the tension that you feel about reaching your sixth graders and reaching your 12th graders at the same time. And so there is a there is a role that you have where you get to help create that tension with your leadership and with your parents so that if when you do bring up the idea of doing some phase specific pieces that everybody knows and everybody understands why you would want to do something like that, that it's not just you wanting to change programming around or doing something different, but there's a purpose, there's a reason, there's a tension behind that. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. I hope this conversation has been really helpful. We would love for you to check out the show notes, rethinkingym.org. You can connect with Candace, me, or Charlie. You can take a look at some of this XB3 middle school, high school stuff that we've been talking about. And we would love for you to join us on our Facebook group. Uh, That link is going to be on the show notes to be able to jump into this conversation with us as we talk about what does it look like for us to be intentional about reaching middle schoolers where they are and high schoolers where they are, regardless of what our programming structure looks like. Until next time, thanks for listening.